Hey, I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Ashley. And you're listening to All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We want to create a space for all bodies to come together authentically and purposefully to discuss various areas that impact us on a cultural and relational level. We believe that all bodies and all foods are welcome. We would love for you to join us on this journey. Let's learn together. All right. Hello, everybody. Hi, Sam. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello. Absolutely. We're really excited about this episode. Yeah. We have Jennifer Crit Solas with us today. And um, Sam, I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about her, but just wanted everybody to know that was listening that this is going to be an awesome show. And Sam and I are kind of geeking out a little bit um, already. So <laughs> we are. It's true. So we have Jennifer here, Dr. Jennifer Creatsoulis, PhD, C-I-A-Y-T, is a certified yoga therapist specializing in eating disorders and body image. She is a sought-after international speaker and former host of Real Body Talk, an online interview talk show. Through her virtual school, Yoga for Eating Disorders, Jennifer offers individual yoga therapy, groups, classes, and continuing education and mentoring for professionals. She is the author of Body Mindful Yoga and The Courageous Path to Healing. Her writing has been featured widely in print, broadcast, and online media, and you can learn more at www.yogaforeatingdisorders.com. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much, Sam and Ashley. It is such a joy to be with you both today. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. We have so many questions because this is your second book, and we read, we read the courageous path to healing. And I, I just want to say that I was so moved by your book that I cried multiple times reading it. Wow. And I, I wanted to have this opportunity to talk more in depth about this book, because I thought to myself, there are so many people out there who I really think could learn so much mm-hmm. from your book, specifically how yoga and eating disorder recovery goes together so seamlessly. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what yoga is supposed to do for you in, re- in eating disorder recovery or is supposed to do for you with your body image. And you really have a way of communicating specifically how yoga has helped you emotionally. And it was really fascinating to me. And um, I just want to encourage, you know, anyone out there in eating disorder recovery, I feel like even if they're really not into yoga, it doesn't matter. I feel like your book could help them in a lot of different ways. Um, And so anyway, I, one one of the questions that I had for you, I mean, this is really, it was such a vulnerable story that you shared. Um, a lot of really personal details, what I assume to be really some of your darkest moments in eating disorder recovery and relapse. And 
I'm just curious, what has this process been like for you sharing the story so openly with the world? Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is so scary for so many people. And I was just curious what that was like for you. Yeah. Well, thank you for your really kind words and gracious introduction. Um, Yeah. I think this book is, you know, captures the darkest and the brightest Mm -hmm. moments, right? Because it is kind of the story of, you know, discovering, right? So those pivotal moments that, you know, when I was first diagnosed with an eating disorder and then later with a relapse as a mother, um, those dark moments and the, and the, the dark moments that followed, yeah. but then led yeah. to, you know, more awareness and more understanding and more healing and more living, right? Living in a, in a way that is, um, free of the eating disorder. So it, 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 my hope is to share that, you know, that possibility that the dark will lead to the light. Mm -hmm. Um, But certainly I will be honest and say, you know, the book is coming out in a few days and I'm definitely having a bit of that vulnerability hangover that Brene Brown talks about, like, oh my goodness. Oh no. Like, how is this going to be received? What are people going to think of me now? My clients are going to know a lot more about me. How's that going to yeah. feel? You know, just you know, um, things that I didn't really think about when I was writing it because, you know, honestly, I just felt so called to write and to write very authentically yeah. um, because I feel so strongly that when we can relate to other people's stories, mm-hmm. we feel less alone. Yes. And we feel more hopeful for our own healing. And so as much as this is my story, my intention is is for it to be a window into other people's own stories. And that's why I include different reflections and, you know, yoga inspired practices. And and by that, I don't mean like asking people to get on a mat and doing poses, right? It's it's much more contemplative and introspective. because I, I want to invite people to recognize the ways that they're, they are already being courageous yeah. in their own healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I definitely am a little anxious with the book about to come out, but certainly hearing your um, sharing about how the book moved you, that, that gives me a lot of hope that others will be moved as well. <laughs> I, ha- I have no doubt. I think there are so yeah. many moments. And I mean, if you've ever felt depressed, if you've ever felt like unsafe to really share what you're truly feeling authentically, which we all have at some point, right? Right. this book really captures those moments and then how you worked through it yeah, and how you were able to harness your inner wisdom, harness that courage to step out of your comfort zone and to talk about what you were really going through. And I don't think we talk nearly enough about pregnancy and the postpartum period and eating disorder recovery. And you talk about that quite a bit in your book as well, um, which I think is so helpful for folks who um, have a new child and they're trying to navigate both. Jennifer, I wanted to say here, so I am a new mom. Um, I am six months postpartum and I was reading your book and you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm like having emotions right now, just thinking about reading it yesterday and thinking about the moment where you talk about um, hiking with your family and then just kind of doubling over um, 
and noticing your uh, children and noticing your husband and noticing that it was time. And that was just so, it just sat with me so much, especially as a new mom and having, um, you know, this daughter that I want to take care of so much and just give my everything to. And I just could really feel, um, I think so much of that pain that you may have been experiencing in that moment. And it just, it, it, it brings me to ask, you know, what what do you want? What what could you share with new mothers um, in this process? New mothers that might be walking through eating disorder recovery or um, eating disorder relapse. What would you like for them to get out of this? Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations you. on your baby girl. That is certainly so Thank joyful. You. Um, yeah, this is such a topic I'm I'm so passionate about. I, I think we need to be talking about it so much more. Yeah. I'm, I'm, thank you both for raising this this question. You know, at that time, you know, I had two two children. My oldest was about to turn three, okay. and my youngest was about to turn mm-hmm. one. Just referring to the chapter that you're yeah. speaking about when it's Mother's Day and we go for a hike, yeah. and I am so sick and deplete it, um, that I just, I can't push the stroller. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, this was after months of postpartum depression of sleep deprivation. Um, I loved being pregnant the first time Mm -hmm. around, loved it, loved it, loved Mm -hmm. it. It was the most empowering time of my life. I felt so, um, just, amazed by my body and what my body was doing in creating a human being. I mean, I never felt like so purpose driven as I did. Right. Um, and with my second pregnancy, it was different, right? Because I had a toddler. I didn't have the luxury of being exhausted and resting. This was a new ball game. And so, yes, I enjoyed that connection with my body um, but it had, I had stress, a lot of stress mm-hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so when my second daughter was born, it was just so overwhelming. And I want to make clear, like anything that I say isn't about my children. I adore my children. I love my children. I would do it all over for Absolutely. them. Like it's not about them. It's about the, the, the parents experience, yeah. right? When all of a sudden you are no longer the center of your life. I mean, that's the reality, right? And so you are no longer the center of your life. Your marriage is no longer the center of your life or your partnership, whatever that relationship is. And you are trying to to forge new ways of living and existing while being sleep deprived, while trying to nurse or breastfeed if that's what you choose, while trying to keep another human being alive. Yeah. Right. And if, if you're dealing with um, postpartum depression or some, you know, variation of hormonal shifts that bring on, you know, um, really strong emotions and helplessness and hopelessness, I mean, that that is yeah. serious. And I guess what I would say to, to answer your question finally is, you know, if you're going through that, you deserve to be seen and heard and validate it and support it. And to know that there is no shame. Like this is not you being incapable of being a mom, right? This is something, 
um, like it's biological, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like we don't have a lot of control over how our hormone hormones are re- responding Correct. to just have giving birth. Right. So right. this this is not your failing, right? You know, and if you find that eating disorder symptoms are creeping back in or getting louder or taking over, you know, please heed those red flags. Mm. And if you are in a place where it's time to pull in more support, please do that. Please do that. And and know that it's not a shame. It's not a shameful thing. Mm -hmm. It's you being courageous and being committed to yourself and to your family, to your recovery, um, and take those steps for yourself because it it can be so lonely and dark otherwise. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just, I couldn't agree more with you and just speaking to truly the intense and insane hormonal changes that come with being a new mother Um, and then navigating um, perhaps the stress of the eating disorder on top of that. I mean, it just sounds so overwhelming, you know? Yes. Yes, it is. I know for myself, you know, when I relapsed, when my children were babies, um, you know, it it was like my brain just, it just snapped back to the eating disorder, you know, even though it had been many, many years, it just snapped back. It was like the overwhelm and the the stress and the emotional uh, upheaval. It was so intense that my brain just didn't know how else to cope. And I literally remember like giving birth and within hours, it was like this brain had snapped back in me and Mm -hmm. here I am like holding my newborn with just overflowing love and thinking about how am I going to get rid of this baby weight and how am I going to start eating less and how am I going to blah, 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 blah. Like it was like, whoa, where the heck did this come from? But it was, but it was clear where it came from. Right. So I, I always like to, you know, share that I really believe like the eating disorder, it's trying to send us a message. And if we can look at it as a messenger, mm-hmm. you know, if I, when I finally was ready to acknowledge it as a messenger, right. When I need, when I went back into treatment and I was, I had to be ready to acknowledge mm-hmm. that. Right. When I was finally ready, it was like, Oh, you're letting me know that I'm overwhelmed, mm-hmm. that I am, you know, stress that I'm exhausted, that I feel like nothing in the world belongs to me to me anymore. Yeah. You know, like everything is for my children and my family. And look, I'm not complaining about that, but that's an adjustment. Yeah. And yeah. and um, the body changes and feeling just so lost to myself, not even knowing like what color I right. like anymore. Right. You know, it's just. But that's what all, you know, those months of suffering were trying to say, mm-hmm. like, hey, Jennifer, like you're going through a hard time right mm-hmm. now. You need some support mm-hmm. and that's okay. I love that. I, I love how the framing of that emotions are a messenger. It's like, what is yeah. this trying to tell me? What is my body trying to tell me? Yeah. What are these sensations trying to tell me rather than judging it? And, you know, from the research I've come across with pregnancy, eating disorder recovery, postpartum period, um, the qualitative research. So the narratives that these new moms are telling themselves, it's often these shoulds, like I should be happy. I should be fulfilled. 
by yes. motherhood a hundred percent. You know, I shouldn't be angry with my kids. I shouldn't be angry with my partner. Yeah. And it's those stories that end up making people feel worse. Yeah. And yeah. it's really, Absolutely. I think what your book really communicates is how important it is to accept what you're feeling. And then it's okay to feel like you've lost your identity. It's okay to feel frustrated or angry. Like all of that is okay. Well, and just to add, as you share multiple facets of your own story, Jennifer, in your book, um, just again, the amount of people that relate to that or have that exact experience, um, it is so healing for them to hear that they're not the only ones that are dealing with this. Um, I tell my clients all the time, well, I ask them the question, if it feels like they live on an island by themselves and nobody gets it or understands it, and of course, they always shake their heads. And and we always work to um, shift that message, that narrative so much, because the truth is we share so much in common with humanity. And I just really appreciated that chapter in your book and just hearing some of really your vulnerable moments as a mother, um, to two babies, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, I just, just thank you for that. It, it meant so much. Oh, so glad. Thank you. You know, it, what comes up for me, um, you know, the years I've worked with new moms in treatment and one of the really common stories that comes up in my experience is this belief that they, again, here's the should again, they should be home, that they shouldn't be in treatment, that they are, my kids need me home more than I need treatment. And I'm just curious, what guidance or message do you, would you like to share with those moms that are thinking that way? I mean, I'll say I had the same narrative within myself. Yeah. You know, I, I fought it tooth and nail. I, when it finally, you know, came time to say, yeah, I need help. I was like, I'm only doing day treatment. I cannot abandon my children. I can't risk traumatizing them. I can't risk all of this. And then, you know, day treatment didn't cut it. I was actually getting sicker because I was still immersed in all of the stress and overwhelm at home. Yeah. And so push came to shove and I had to say, all right, I need to immerse myself yeah. In, rec- in recovery yeah. right now. It, I have to immerse myself. My babies are young. They're not going to remember this. Mm. I'm going to just have to trust yeah. that. And yeah. if they do, then we will find together, my husband and I will find the way to speak with them and to comfort them and make sure they feel safe. Yes. And, yeah. and we will handle it. Um, but I mean, it, it just, you know, it can very quickly get to that, you know, do or die moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I just would say, you know, if you know you've reached that point that I call, you know, the point of no yeah. return, where it's yeah. like you just know you're so deeply in it, you can't pull yourself out of it. Even if you want, even if you have the desire, but you know you just can't. Yeah. I would say yeah. please listen to that. And if you can if you can get help before you reach that point, great. Um, but you know. Your children will be better because you have chosen to got to get better. I couldn't agree with that more. And and because you choose to get better, um, anyone out there, what 
what that message is, is that message is sending to your family that it is important to take care of yourself, that your mental health matters, and that we as a family unit are going to do whatever we can to take care of each other and ourselves, you know? Yes. Yes. And that's where that word and is just so important. You know, it's like, I love you, my family, and I need to go do this for myself. Right. Or whatever the, the, whatever those words are. But if you're, I guess if you're in a place where you're like, I can't, or there's like blah, 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 but blah, 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 or try and (laughs) what is possible if there's an and, right. Because you have to be part of the equation as you know, us moms, we have to be part of the equation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jennifer, there was a passage in your book that really stood out to me, and I'd like to read it if that's okay. Sure. Um, You write, how do we stay committed to healing? I believe it begins by being willing to reframe our pain from the thing that breaks us into the thing that teaches us. Defining ourselves by our pain creates more pain. Mm -hmm. Our identity becomes the diagnosis. I have an eating disorder. I have an anxiety disorder. I am clinically depressed. So when I read this, I really thought this was powerful because I think I've worked with so many clients where the theme is that they don't really know who they are without their eating disorder. And it can really take on an identity. And one Mm -hmm. of the hard things about recovery is answering the question, who am I? without this thing? And can I live without it? And I was just wondering if you could say more about, about that passage about identity and, and eating disorder recovery. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it does become an identity. It's a whole belief system, right? It's a whole, it's a whole belief system grounded in rules and narrative and it becomes the world, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and I, I very, very, I can very much remember, you know, in therapy being asked, you know, like, well, who are you without this eating disorder? And sitting there being like, I have no effing clue. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you asking yeah. me this? I want this eating disorder. Yeah. This is, this is who I yeah. am. You know, don't challenge mm-hmm. it. And you know, I remember um, going through periods where, you know, if you were to ask me to define myself, where those first two, three, first two, three things were related to an eating disorder. I am anorexic. I am blah. I am blah. Right. So for me, it was the work of moving those descriptors down the list, mm-hmm. moving them down the list. So having to do that combination of grieving for that eating disorder identity and taking chances on figuring out who else I am right so coming to be able to say well I'm also a graduate student because I was a graduate student at one time or I am a person who likes to sit outside in the park um I am a mother I am a you know a friend, I am a writer, right? Like, 
you know, just finding some new ways to describe ourselves and getting in the practice of letting those descriptors come before we identify as an eating disorder or whatever diagnosis we have. And that takes work and it takes support and it, and sometimes it takes the repetition of saying these things before we actually believe them. And that's okay because we need to rewire our brains. Right. Um, but it's important. The grief is important and it's real. Yes. I just want to really say that, that grieving that identity. I remember being a patient at Renfrew and doing a whole psychodrama on um, shedding the identity of the eating disorder. Yeah. Um, and something that really also helped me in terms of thinking about how I describe myself um, is to kind of move away from saying my eating disorder to the eating disorder. Yeah. Mm. You know, my depression to the depression, right. As a way to still recognize that it's there and it's something that I'm working on, but it is not the whole of me. Right. 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 It's not, it's not, it's not going to be the definer of me. Right. It's a part of my story. It's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, it, it's that kind of work that really helped me. Yeah. Jennifer, I love that. And you, um, you talk a little bit about, to kind of dovetail on that, you talk a little bit about finding your authentic identity. And one of the things you mentioned was when we're becoming, I love this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote it. It's so beautiful. When we are becoming someone we haven't been yet, Wading through the thick swamp of discrepancies between who we were and who we are becoming turns out to be half of the work. Um, So I'm just curious, who do you think you were in your eating disorder? Um, Who are you now and who are you still becoming thinking about that authentic (sighs) identity? Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see. Well, If I take myself back to college a long time ago, when I was initially going through this thing called an eating disorder, I was 20. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was caught up in people pleasing and rule following and perfectionism and being the best at every single thing all the time, forever and ever. Um, Yeah. So, so many listeners can relate to this. I feel this so much. Yes. Yes. Right. So I had all, all of those qualities that served as a strength. I thought going through grade school and high school, and then somehow I got to college and they weren't strength anymore. They, they became extreme. Yeah. Yeah. And, and tipped it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, but I was also someone at the time who was discovering that, you know, going through a divorce at five years old had, yeah, was a trauma yeah. that I didn't know was a trauma that losing my grandfather, who was my most favorite person in the world, yeah. was something that I had swallowed and pushed down and never dealt with that, you know, going through certain breakups and different things that were felt like rejection. Right. So I was kind of in that, that yeah. place. Yeah. And then going through it later in life, in my 30s as a mom, I think I was a very 
very different because I had done a lot of work around those other issues mm. and um, it wasn't really more anymore about being perfect yeah. or following rules per se or approval. It was more the overwhelm of having a family yeah. and trying to be a professional and a wife and keep a household going and, yeah. you know, the things that we just assume are normal everyday yeah. things that don't really affect any of us, but actually they do. We're all walking around pretty exhausted and yeah. miserable yeah. Um, with no outlets um, or no one to validate yeah. that because we need to be putting on the front that we're fine and we're happy and yes. family life is bliss yes. all the time, yes. but it's not. There are blissful moments, yes. but it is not a blissful existence, at least not in my <laughs> experience. <Yeah. laughs> Maybe others, but not yeah. mine. So, and, and I have a great life. I'm not complaining. I cannot complain. I have a great yeah. life. Um, so I think in that time, it was that that just emotional upheaval yeah. mm-hmm. and trying to understand who I am as a mother, who I want to be as a mother um, and how to be all of that and still retain who I am at my core yeah. and who I'm becoming. Um, it's a really complicated question for me to answer yeah. right now because I am someone who's been suffering with long COVID um, for about 16 months now and counting. Okay. So for people who don't know, long COVID is, you know, you've had COVID, the infection ends, but then you're left with an array of really um, disabling symptoms. At least for me, it's, it's very disabling. And that leaves me really unsure of who I'm becoming. Um, because who I am right now in my current health state is someone who, you know, I, I can't go on a hike, Gotcha. you know, like I share in the book that I'd love to do with my family. Um, I can't even drive my car. Um, I am just sick all the time. And so I don't know who I'm becoming. I know I'm, I know I'm working through a lot of grief. I know I have had many moments where I say, wow, you know, the eating disorder recovery has been a huge gift in preparing me for this time because going through that recovery process gave me the skills to learn how to listen to my body, um, how to set boundaries, Mm -hmm. how to understand my emotions, how to ask for help how to be okay with crying, yeah. right? Um, all yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for people who are listening, like I just want to support you in recognizing how your experience with eating disorder recovery, no matter how difficult and challenging, because I know that it is, maybe that's prepared you for something in your yeah. life that you're going through now or is yet to come. Yeah. And yeah. to just kind of hold that in sight because you are maybe more capable of dealing with something because yeah. of it. And I want to say to that, Jennifer, maybe we reframe that question of who are you becoming into simply who are you today right now? Um, if we think about our mindfulness practices and we want to be in the present moment and have that non-judgmental awareness, like who am I right now? Um, 
and how can I support myself right now? And it sounds like with this the long-term COVID, it is important for you to maybe support yourself in the here and now one day at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. I've had to pull in a whole team, you know, once again, you know, um, back in therapy, doing all kinds of other holistic treatments that align with me and what works for me. Um, and, um, you know, and, and keeping myself as grounded and present as I can. Thank you for sharing that with, with all of us. I, I can imagine that many or some of our listeners out there um, might be having a similar experience. I know COVID is so, there's so much unknown with this. <laughs> and, yes. um, and sometimes long-term COVID, um, we don't see a physical representation of that. Um, and so acknowledging that there's way more to it um, than what people can see um, yeah. I thank you for that and and sending you all yeah. of the well wishes in this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your support. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, I, Jennifer, it's just such a gift to us and to the audience sharing long COVID and really what it's like to navigate eating disorder recovery with an illness. Yeah. Um, there's just so many folks out there with chronic pain, chronic illnesses. And we, again, we don't talk about this enough the intersection of eating disorder recovery and illness and how it can be a trigger to relapse. It can just make recovery so much harder. Yeah. And we don't talk about it enough. People are surprised when, you know, I do a lot of training and education around different eating disorder triggers. It's even unintentional weight loss can trigger on a relapse and Mm -hmm. just not feeling good in your body, feeling ill can trigger on those eating disorder thoughts and, we don't Absolutely. talk about it enough. We don't. And this is really a new intersection for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and one I'm like really paying attention to within myself, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I can say honestly with the two of you and, and the listeners, because I know everyone here gets it and I feel safe saying it. It's, you know, I do have, I have had moments where I feel so, so, the grief is so heavy, you know, I never thought I'd be grieving my life at 46. And so I do have moments where I might hear something I haven't heard in a very long time come Mm. in. And I have to say to myself, that's not going to help anything. Mm. It's not going to help me get better. Mm. It's not going to allow me to do my work Mm. because I, have a very strict code with myself. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not taking care of myself appropriately, I really don't have any business helping my clients. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a huge motivator to stay on track. My kids, I mean, they're the whole reason I got better in the first place. And, you know, when I went into treatment that second time, one of the things that was very heavy on my heart was I refuse to be a chronically ill mother. Yeah. I do not want to be a chronically ill mother. Yeah. And that's what I used to tell myself. Right. And now I'm a chronically ill mm. mother. Mm. And mm. I had a say in eating disorder recovery. Yeah. And I think it's really important. I, like, I really want 
to impress this upon people who are listening. Like you have a say. Yes, it's hard. And yes, it takes years. And yes, you want to just throw your hands up and give up many times. I get it. But you have a say in how it's going to go. Yeah. Might take a while, but you have a say. And wow, like I don't have a say now. Mm. And it's it's so hard to accept that. So all the yoga philosophies that I talk about in the book, all the practices I talk about in the book, man, like I'm, I'm having to dig so deep right now and practice them in this illness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's, yeah, I, I think this intersection is real and I, you know, love the opportunity to talk again about it. Um, because I think, it is so invisible. Yeah. Like you said, Ashley, you know, you're looking at me right now. I look completely yeah. fine, but I actually could just close my eyes and yeah. <laughs> this yeah. fatigue is so crushing. Yeah. So I think, I think it's really important conversation. Mm-hmm. I think, um, well, it's just reminding me of, we know you say this in the book and we know this in the eating disorder field that eating disorders are disorders of disconnection, right? And so um, one of the things that you also mention with your yoga practice is connecting back to your body. And I'm thinking in, in various ways, right? Um, and I'm thinking how when you say you do have a say in eating disorder recovery, right? How that connection back to your body, you did have a say in it. And right now, I'm curious if you're trying to connect back to your body and also feeling completely like you don't recognize your body, um, like you don't recognize yourself um, because of this long COVID. Um, And again, like you mentioned, Sam, this could be the case with many chronic illnesses. Um, So utilizing those skills are so imperative because we, we have the tools, we have the skills, and then coming across a chronic illness where we don't even recognize ourselves, we don't have a say in this, um, how much more might we need those skills now? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. And it, I do feel like I should say, you know, I'm very privileged in my recovery experience that I was able to go to treatment, that I've had great providers helping me build these skills, you know, so I just, I know that's not everybody's situation. Um, So I do feel very privileged and I think it's important to just own that and know that it's not, I'm sitting here saying, you know, you have a say, I don't want to come across, you know, to a listener who maybe didn't have the same experience um, um, in a, in a, in a way that's not helpful. but yeah, you're right. I, I don't recognize myself. Mm. Um, and um, I, I don't, you know, I, I can't move in the ways that I used to move, mm. you know. Um, but I have my breath. Mm. And I have the, the, the yoga concepts that guide me. Yeah. And I have people willing to help me. Yeah. So I, I do feel very blessed in, in that yeah. way. Yeah. That brings me to my next question um, about yoga and eating disorder recovery. I think there are 
many folks, at least that I've worked with, where I might suggest yoga and they come in with a set of expectations about, you know, what yoga is going to do for them in recovery, or there's this hope that it will be a coping tool that will help them immediately feel better emotionally, or it will improve their body image. Yeah. And you talk specifically about yoga in your recovery and even the, the words, the concepts in yoga, how, how useful they were to you and how, um, transformative, you have really transformative experiences in yoga, aha moments, these insights. And I was wondering if you could say more about yoga, how specifically it equipped you with the tools in your recovery and also in long COVID, you know, how, what role has it played? Absolutely. So initially when I started practicing yoga and by that, I mean like the physical practice, um, it was, um, a few years after college and this is when yoga was kind of first becoming popular here in the States. Um, and because I, I, you know, I had been an athlete all my life, always loved playing sports. Um, but in college exercise became a part of the eating disorder for me. So it took several, it took a few years to be able to return to exercise or movement in a way that would be safe and protective of my recovery. So that's where yoga came in for me initially. I was like, well, yoga's never been a part of my life before. Yeah. It's popular now. It's supposed to be good for you. Can't, you know, what could go right, wrong? Right. <laughs> right? Um, and so, you know, I started doing DVDs in my apartment and then, you know, somehow met someone in a coffee shop that said, hey, come to yoga class with me. And that's where I started going to a studio and practicing, you know, in a community. Um, And it really met me at that time. It met me where I was. This was a more physical form of yoga, um, but it was not um, like it it wasn't detrimental Mm -hmm. to me. Like I was really able to embrace it as a practice that helped me learn how to pay attention to my body and try new things with my body. And it also gave me a community. And it was an environment that, you know, for the most part, the narrative was around kindness and compassion and letting go of expectations and not needing to be perfect, right? And it's like these messages that I clearly needed to hear and was ready to to absorb. So initially, it was the physical practice that brought me in. Um, And then, you know, I taught for many, many years leading up to completing grad school, getting married. And then when life got fuller, that all fell away. Mm -hmm. And so when all that chaos and overwhelm was going on in my early motherhood years, I didn't have that space for self-connection that I had had when I was practicing and teaching yoga. I didn't have that me time. I didn't have that, that place that belonged to me. Um, And so I, I really, when I look back and reflect, I think, wow, like, Without that foundation in place, there was a lot of room for that eating disorder stuff to kick up. Yeah. Right. Um, 
And after my relapse um, and getting stronger and healthier, I decided I wanted to pursue yoga therapy mm. and signed up for a three-year training. And it was classical yoga. Mm. And this was very different than the more physical form that I had been trained mm. in. This was much more contemplative, much more introspective, much more focused on personal inquiry, um, learning concepts and philosophies, um, and really understanding that yoga with a capital Y is about self-discovery. Mm. It's a it's a it's a practice to help us suffer mm -hmm. less. And everything changed. Mm. Everything changed. And that's when I started to realize that these concepts like ahimsa, which is, or non-harming, yeah. you can also call it kindness, um, uh, concepts like contentment, which isn't about how happy we are. It's about, can we be with what is, yeah. um, you yeah. know, other key concepts really started to just open my eyes to, you know, yoga is, is not about what we do on a mat. Mm. You know, that's just one aspect. Yeah. That's just one part, yeah. one yeah. piece. And so when I talk about yoga with my clients or in my virtual school, we're not really focusing on, you know, how we do tree pose or any particular pose. Mm -hmm. We're thinking about yoga as a tool as a tool to help us through challenging moments, to help us create new language and perspectives in approaching recovery. Um, so like I, I have a Facebook group, the Yoga for Eating Disorders Community Facebook yeah. group, where we take a concept every month and we think about how do we apply this to recovery, yeah. right? Yeah. So for example, this month we're exploring satya, truthfulness. Mm. What does it mean to be truthful with ourselves, mm. with others, in our recovery yes. and how do we yes. practice that and how do we explore that on the mat? How do we explore that in guided meditations? How do we explore that through journaling? How do we explore that through, um, affirmations? Mm -hmm. How do we, you know, um, I invite people to share their stories and to tell me how they're using truthfulness in their recoveries. So we're really looking at this beyond just what we're doing in a yoga studio. Mm -hmm. And I think to that point, you know, for people listening, including professionals, it's really important to recognize that not all yoga that is offered in public settings aligns with recovery values, yeah. right? So yeah. this isn't to judge yeah. styles of yoga that maybe are more competitive or focused on fitness. They have their place in our culture, but for recovery purposes, yeah. especially early recovery, I really support people in finding gentle classes led by teachers who have a trauma-informed yeah. background um, that isn't a competitive fitness-focused style. We're not talking about cleanses and diets and all that crap that <laughs> we see all around us in diet culture, yeah. um, that, that we're really finding the, the, the spaces and the teachers that align with our recovery values yeah. Yeah. so, so like through our through my school we offer a lot of um 
like six week series. Oh, great. You know, and they're with teachers that have trained with me. They're all virtual. So people from all over the world can do them. Great. Can do them live or with the recordings. You know, we have, um, and we, and we do themes that are related to recovery. Um, and so I think, you know, we can, we can take these practices and create tools. We can take these practices and create new perspectives and find new ways to approach recovery. Yeah. And we're not doing it with trying to change our bodies. That's not what we're focused on yeah. here. Yeah. Jennifer, I just so want to say, yeah, thank you so much. This is, I really feel like this time has been um, just so beautiful. Um, I've so enjoyed our time connecting. And um, I, I just want to say, as you're talking about the yoga practice and, and just kind of everything that you've learned with this, one of the things I read in your book was to give ourselves kind eyes again. And it just, even as I, as I read that a few days ago, and I've been um, just thinking about that at multiple times in my life, you know, well, I guess over the last couple of days where I felt maybe anxious or I've looked in the mirror or anything, I've remembered that like kind eyes, mm. be, gen- <laughs> be gentle with yourself. You know, it's so lovely. I just, I oh, truly good. want everybody to like go out and get your book and read it. Oh, and you. and you, you have these sweet um, exercises that you do at the end of every chapter and it's just so beautiful. So I just want to thank you so much for sharing this space with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I agree, Ashley. Um, And I'm so glad you brought this up, Ashley, because actually there's an exercise that I've taken with me in my life too, which is the hold it, the hold it lightly. Okay. Which I I love because it's any, anything really that you're just holding on to so tightly, like a rule or a belief and when I catch myself doing that, I think, just hold it lightly, you know, yeah, and, you know, totally envisioning well. it in your hands and just yeah. lightly holding it instead of clenching onto it. And I've even shared it with some of my clients, hold it lightly. Wow. And really so many powerful exercises and um, sections in your book. Thank you. It, your book's a gift yes, to everyone. It is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. My my vulnerability hangover is just <laughs> <laughs> good. 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 Well, yeah. Th- thank you for being willing to just be so open with us today and and our listeners. I know that they're going to appreciate that, and um, I can't wait for more people to read your book. <laughs> yes. Thank you both so yeah. so very very much. Thank you for listening with us today on All Bodies, All Foods, presented by the Renfrew Center for Eating Disorders. We're looking forward to you joining us next time as we continue these conversations.